This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 540 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, TotalSaddleFit.com, and Bates Saddles. On tonight's USDF episode, episode, we are going to provide a finals wrap-up with adult amateur Grand Prix champion Alice Tarzan. We also have Brianna Zwilling, who won the first level open freestyle with over 80%. And for our Total Saddle Fit trainer tip, we're going to chat with Jamie Loewenberger, first-time finals participant. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. Have you recovered from a busy week yet? Whew, it was a busy week. Actually, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't too bad because of the way kind of Big Mike follow me went on Thursday and uh, Marquez owned by Pamela McKee went on Saturday. So I had actually just one horse at the horse show. Cause I can bring them home. Cause my farm from the horse park is like 10 minutes as Phil knows. So it was great. So we weren't actually, you know, I had one horse and I could really focus on that one horse and that was really nice. So I think uh, a lot of people can tell you the weather was really, really terrible on Thursday when it was, it was challenging. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It was raining sideways legitimately <laughs> and it was cold. Uh, but I will say, follow me who's owned by the Maple Springs partnership. You guys have heard about follow me. We call him big Mike uh, since I got him. So this was the first time he went to regionals and had a fantastic test. Uh, and I felt like at third level, it was sort of time for him to go to the finals. I thought, okay, it's worth the money to take him. And I will just give him a shout out. He was so good. He handled the environment beautifully, which is, it's a tricky environment. The horse park's really big. There's lots of walking between places. And, you know, we had to warm up in the Coliseum and and he really handled all of that great. It was really, really cold when we were riding in our test and it was raining sideways, which as we all know, Reese is not the toughest. <laughs> when it comes to that, <laughs> I'm fine to say it, like eh, not so tough. Uh, but he was great. He warmed up super and he handled, you know, there's a huge jumbotron and lots of lights and music and all kinds of things. And he did great. Um Big Mike's not the best in wet footing. He's not super secure. He doesn't like it. Uh, and I try to ride him out as much as I can. I don't have an outdoor ring, so I do ride him outside when it's rainy, so he kind of gets used to it. But he, poor guy, kind of slid going down into the ring, and uh, but he was like, um, Mom, <laughs> it's raining sideways, and I'm sliding. So he was a little bit tentative in the test, and I, and I lost some points where I would have loved to have gained some points back, but overall, he was really good. I was really pleased. And then I took uh, Marquez, who I show have shown for the last about five years. He's quite, he's my most season one probably. And he was great. He uh, was fifth in, in the second level freestyle open, which was great. He's a PRE and he's owned by Pam Mickey and we give Miss Pam a shout out. She's our barn mom. And, and she was on this journey with me when I said, I really, really want to take him and do this. 
He was great. Actually, the footing was frozen when we rode on Saturday morning. We went really early. We went at like 830. And um, I think it was 24 degrees. Again, Reese is not tough, but Marcus was a champ. He keep that that little horse tries his heart out for me every time, and uh, he was great. So he finished fifth. So it was a great finals. I'm really glad we went. It's a great experience. Uh, it was both my horses were just troopers and and really really were were good boys and and were a pleasure to ride. So. That was my finals experience. Yeah, we were outside. Uh, I can't wait for Big Mike to be big enough next year to potentially go inside <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> That's well, what I'm hoping for. Great. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. It was a good week. We, it was good. Yeah. But we've got a, a busy show with you know more competitors that you were able to grab for us to do interviews. Yeah. And and I think right after this commercial from USDF, we can go right, uh, right away talking to Alice Tarjan. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, this evening, we are so excited to have Alice Tarjan on. She is quite a wonderful rider and rock star from the 2019 championships. She rode Candescent in 2018 to the Intermediate 2 Adult Amateur and defended her title in 2019. And she was also 2018 Grand Prix Adult Amateur Champion and defended her title again. With overall, she took home four championship places, one reserve, and one top 10 placing on four horses. Alice, we are so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, we were teasing because in Florida, you're always so kind and and let me borrow your in the pouring rain. And I offered it in Kentucky because we had quite some weather challenges this year, didn't we? Yeah, I think that's every year, actually. <laughs> you're right. No, right? It, it, yeah, it did. It actually snowed here like Monday after everyone left. So, uh, but I don't know. There's, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was some challenges, wasn't it, for the outside kind of younger horses, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's always like every year it's cold and miserable in the mornings, I think. So, yeah, that's kind of par for the course of Kentucky, unfortunately. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so now you brought three third level horses, kind of youngsters this year, didn't you? Yeah, two of them are six year olds and then the one was seven. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit, because people, I don't know if they know Kentucky very well, but the third level horses are typically outside, third level and below, there are some upper level rides, but then there are also the horses that are inside. So it's kind of two different venues, essentially. So um, tell us about your third level horses as we get started tonight. Um, so there's the two six-year-olds, also done Chicago, and then there was a seven-year-old, and this is her first year showing, which is, so she's super green. She really wasn't ready, but I figured it would be good for her for the experience to bring her out. But it's a great show because even though you show outside, like the days they aren't showing, you get to, you know, ride them in a coliseum and they'd never seen something like that before. So hopefully it's good preparation for them eventually, you know, to go yeah. do the bigger stuff and get to go in the all tech or something like that. So it's just good, I think, for them to go all week and there's a lot of horses and yeah, it's just good experience for them. Absolutely. Now these uh, youngsters, did you breed these guys? Because you're also a very active and very successful breeder. No, I didn't. The one was bred by Marietta Heyman. So she's in North Carolina. That one's U.S. bred. And the other two were bred in Germany and Holland. Fantastic. Well, it is a fantastic experience for those guys. Well, tell us about your amazing Candescence. She is absolutely fantastic. 
<laughs> yeah, she's a fun horse. She's not the mm-hmm. easiest, but she's definitely fun. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have such a great partnership. You've had this mare. I've, I've seen you work her in Florida and she's really a phenomenal horse. Can you tell us a little bit about her and then a little bit, what's it like to defend the championship this year? Yeah. So she's nine this year and I got her as a four-year-old with the intention of jumping her. Um, I was scared to death of her when I first got her. I wouldn't even ride her. Thank God my friend Lauren Chumley came and rode her for me and was like, oh, you'll be fine. And by the time I finally got her going well enough that I wasn't scared anymore, it was pretty obvious that she was going to be a good dressage horse and I would be foolish to jump her. So that went her jumping career. <laughs> yeah, so it's been fun to bring her up. And then Kentucky is always a great show. The atmosphere there is amazing. You know, it's fun to be able to ride them in the all-tech, especially when the weather's bad. We can just only ride inside, which is amazing. I think there's always more pressure going in having won it last year. Maybe more for me personally, just not so much about where we place. I don't care about that so much, but you want to see improvement as time goes by. Yeah. So <laughs> not even like with the score, but you want to be able to go in hopefully and be like, oh, like we wrote a better test than I was able to last year. So I'm, hopefully I can say that that's the case. I think that it was better than it was last year, but that's certainly the pressure going in. Um, having done the same class last year, you know, so the younger horses move up every year, right? So maybe sometimes, yeah. sometimes they do more, sometimes they do poorly, but it's a different test, right? Like it gets more complicated as you go on like from the four to the five to the six year old. So then you get to Grand Prix and like, that's all they ever have to know, which is kind of cool. It's sort of fun. But then like you realize when you teach a horse to do all the Grand Prix movements, that that's only the beginning. And then the rest of your life, I guess, is, you know, spent trying to make it more harmonious and to own it a little bit more and have it, you know, make it easier. Yeah, which absolutely. is not so easily done. <laughs> no, it's so easy to say it, and then so actually difficult to do it. And like you said, doing it in the Alltech, the classes are in the evening, aren't they? The, the amateurs actually went during the day. So okay, but yeah, we were during the day. Fantastic. It, it so, was interesting because last year, you know, she was a little bug-eyed about showing in the Alltech. Actually, because last year I think the I two was outside, and then the Grand Prix was inside. So I know we went in for the Grand Prix, and she was definitely a little taken aback by it. And this year it wasn't not even an issue, like. I schooled her in there the first day. And then after that, I never even schooled her in there. She was fine. It wasn't a problem at all. Oh, fantastic. So tell us about your freestyle. What What is your music? I wasn't able to see it. Oh, yeah. We used uh, Beetlejuice for her. And then also <laughs> the trot work. And then Angry Birds for the Piaf Passage. And I'm not sure, honestly, what that can of work is. That's fun. But, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know that she's really ready to do a freestyle. But I was like, oh, if we're going to go to Kentucky, it'll be fun. And it's always better i think maybe to do more classes and less classes you're gonna go that far for a show and then if you only do it like one and it doesn't go well you're like oh that's too bad so yeah so that's why <laughs> it's i figured like, well we'll do this three and give us another chance to get in the arena i love it i love it so what's your plan with her next what's your next year's plan with her we don't really have one <laughs> fair um, enough <laughs> <laughs> I think that we another fine. year that's or two fine. probably of just national grand prix so she's gonna hack around for a while. We're going to Florida on Saturday and she'll hack around down there for a while and then start putting it back to work. I think, you know, maybe we'll probably do like another year, maybe a developing ground break, but she'll only be 10 next year and try to iron it out and make it a little more fluid. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe we'll do Devon or something next fall or I don't know. We'll see. You know, yeah. the horses, like, I feel like the horses always tell you what they're ready for and where they're at. So I'll let her tell me what she wants to do. I think that's a, that's a great way to look at that. You know, like you're, like you said, she does the Grand Prix already. And at that age, uh, you know, it's a lot of cleaning up and it's a lot of repetition. And uh, that can get it's all really, about cleaning it yeah. up now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that can be hard. I mean, that's a, like you said, keeping her fresh and keeping her, she's absolutely a, an amazing horse. And if anybody has a chance, look her, look her up because she's amazing. But, you know, kind of working that and, and keeping that freshness for her is, is the hard part, I think, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I think maybe the answer is you just don't do too much of it and you don't drill it. So, but that's, I kind of feel like, like we've climbed up this huge mountain and it's like, okay, like now like we can do all the movements, which is great. And now we have the rest of our lives to just try to make it easier and clean it up. So I don't really feel much pressure actually, because I don't think, she, you know, I won't do the CDIs with her. So it kind of like next year. So it kind of, none of it really matters. Like we'll just have fun next year and play around and try to get it even more solid. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, just, just having a fun year and, and doing some shows if you feel like it or not if you don't feel like it. Like yeah, that's a, like, I mean, like super... I said, yeah, they tell you. So. Yeah. So, Alice, tell us some things. Like you said, you have, a, you have an eventing background, don't you? Yeah, so I evented all the way through college. I was terribly scared going cross-country, but I went yeah, through intermediate. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. My horse was kind of a maniac, which is great because she would jump anything you pointed her at, but it was also kind of terrifying. And then I kind of decided that was enough of that. And so <laughs> I always wanted to do the dressage, but I really wanted to event too. So I did the eventing and got that out of my system. And now I'm a dressage rider. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but you're, you're pretty brave. Like you, you hack all your horses out. They all, you're very, I see you around the circle in Florida all the time. And I think you do but an amazing isn't that the irony of it? Cause no. I was like, oh, I'm not going to event anymore. So I'm not going to be scared. And like when I evented, I was always trying to pick out like where the hell crew would land after I like you know crash the defense and now I ride all these young horses and I'm like wait a minute like I'm not supposed to be scared but like some of them are terrifying right like you know <laughs> you don't worry but, but there's plenty of times when I'm completely terrified and I'm like this isn't supposed to be the way it is anymore I'm supposed to be like an adult and I ride a dressage horses and I'm safe and yeah that's not always the case with the young horses <laughs> it's true and you're really you have done so much with the young horse program tell us a little bit about kind of your experience doing that and now you know bringing them all up and, and doing the, the the big sport now so it all kind of started because I wanted to ride at Devon like that was kind of my goal and so I read the prize list and, and I figured the cheapest way I could possibly ride at Devon was the three-year-old material because you didn't have to have a trained horse like I figured there's no way they're going to train a horse up to fourth level or St. George and you had to qualify right and that was incredibly difficult I figured I could never do that and I didn't have the money to go buy a maid horse. So that wasn't going to happen. So I was like, all right, if I buy a foal and I wait three years, I can go to the material and you don't have to qualify and I can ride at Devon. So that's exactly what I did. And we did the material and that worked out well. And then, so then the next step, you know, was the young horse. And so I've just, that's kind of been how I got into it. And so all my horses, you know, I buy them when they're young and I bring them to the young horse and I sold a bunch of them, but now I'm trying to keep some. And yeah, so then eventually they start getting trained. And so then you start, yeah, hopefully you know, you end up with some good Grand Prix horses. So we'll see how it goes, but that was kind of, we'll see, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. That makes complete sense. Um, but it also under, you know, makes sense of what you do with your program and getting them out. And so what are some challenges you face uh, being an adult amateur? Because you do, you are an adult amateur, right? Yep. And so what are some challenges that you face be, kind of being in the adult amateur versus the professional ring? I kind of see it as an advantage because I feel like I'm lucky that I own my own horses, so I don't have to deal with owners and clients. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of my friends, you know, that are trainers struggling, you know, because maybe they think, you know, the horse, you know, probably like I, I have a couple of horses in my barn that haven't shown this year at all. They haven't been out. And, and it's because I just feel like they're not in a place yet where I want to show them. They're not ready to go in the ring. And so I have the ability to be like, this horse is going to stay home this year. It's not a problem. And I got other horses to show or I don't show or whatever, but that's my decision. And, and you can see that it's got to be really difficult when you have clients and, you know, they want their horses not showing or they want them doing this. And, but then it holds the training back. Right. And so yeah. I'm lucky that I'm able to make my own decisions with my horses about where I think what I, how I think I should train them and what's the best you know course going forward with them. So I really look at it honestly as an advantage. I don't think the judges see it any differently. I certainly don't feel like I've, had a problem like showing against the pros with how I'm judged or anything. So no, you'd like to show us how it's done. I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. 
I'm like, you like to show us how it's done. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, Alice, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about your experience in Kentucky and in your horses. And uh, we can't wait to have you back. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we're going to have another quick break with Kentucky Performance Products and come back with Brianna Swilling. Each week, you carefully plan out your horse's training schedule. You work with your trainer to fine-tune his flat work. You school through grids to perfect his jump and set up multiple courses to educate your eye. You enjoy long hacks to keep his mind fresh and body strong. Show day arrives. You take a deep breath as you enter the ring. We've got this, you whisper so only he can hear you. You move as one, sailing over each element in perfect harmony. The feeling you get when it all clicks. It's why we do what we do. This feeling is brought to you by Joint Armor. Joint Armor's complete formula provides your horse with the nutrients necessary to support healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor maintains fluid motion and flexibility in hardworking joints. It supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Joint Armor provides high levels of both glucosamine and chondroitin, plus 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid. Best of all, Joint Armor is affordable. One small jar lasts up to 75 days. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Well, this evening, I'm so excited to have U.S. first-level freestyle champion, 80% rider, Brianna Zwilling on. She's the head trainer at Epic Equestrian. Brianna, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Well, you had an absolutely amazing freestyle that sort of blew up Facebook. Uh, And that's where I saw it because I had actually left the finals because you went late Sunday, didn't you, with your mare? Yeah, I think the class got over about 5.20 p.m. and we had awards at 6 p.m. So our whole crew ended up, of course, staying the night and then trying to beat the, beat the snow back home to St. Louis the next day. Right. So tell us about your mare. Her name is Fordia Bella. She's owned by Sally Miller. She's a nine-year-old Dutch Warmblood who was bred right here in the U.S. Just a super super phenomenal horse. Um, The owner, Sally, actually went looking for a horse to buy and found this kind of green five-year-old that I wasn't too keen on (laughs) because she was looking for a more upper-level kind of balanced horse. But man, I sat on her and I said, Sally, she is phenomenal. So she ended up buying her and she's been with me in training for four years and has just really blossomed. She's a super athletic, elastic horse. So it's taken her a little bit more time to kind of develop those carrying muscles, but she's really come into her own and mind and body this year. Absolutely. So tell us about your freestyle. What do you think? I mean, breaking in 80% is is huge. So how did you do that? Oh man, I, it was funny because I said to the owner, Sally, a couple weeks ago in training, I said, oh, you know, like, how cool would it be to to earn an 80% at finals in that kind mm-hmm. of atmosphere and with three judges like, oh man, that just, oh, that just gives me the chills. So to be able to do that was super fantastic. I really wanted, I love freestyles. I love doing the choreography. I love picking the music. Um, I work with Cynthia Collins at Lunatunes to kind of help me 
put the music to the choreography, but I like to I like to do my own pattern and pick my own music. So I really wanted to do something creative and different. I did a lot of counter canner. I actually did my simple change of lead through the trot, counter canner to counter canner. I wanted to do something that was really never done before and would kind of have the judges sit on the edge of their chairs. Yeah, it was hard. I watched it. That's I was so like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was hard. You get top marks <laughs> yeah, for difficulty level, it. yeah. Yeah, I got a nine on difficulty, which was super, super exciting that it was it was recognized, right? And and appreciated. Yeah, for sure. It was great. I was I was impressed. I mean, so it is the freestyle is actually on Facebook and really everyone should go and, and take a look at it. And it's in the all tech, right? I mean, that's they put the first level freestyle. That's a that's a big arena to go in, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I love it in there. <laughs> it was really <laughs> cool that it was in there. It was really fun to be course in the warmth we had beautiful weather on sunday but i love being warm and just kind of being in that atmosphere and and she yeah the the mayor really trusted me and was, was really with me the whole ride so that was i think i was smiling the entire time <laughs> i was really enjoying it oh absolutely fantastic well, I think that, that probably it comes across i mean you know developing that 80 percent score i think you got to be got to be having fun yeah right? and, and always it's easier on a horse that's really solid but I'm sure you've you've shown this horse, a, you know, a bit this summer, and you know, sort of developed that partnership. You know, not 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 going to the finals, having shown your freestyle three times or something like this. So tell us about your preparation. I, had, I had a pretty interesting summer. Okay. I actually <laughs> was not not in my plans. I was having some back pain in the spring, and so I went in for an MRI, and they found I had a giant melon-sized tumor in my pelvis. Whoa. So that was kind of, yeah, that was a big blow. And so at the end of June, I actually had surgery and had it taken out. Luckily, it was benign. Everything was good. And so I took about four weeks off, kind of let my body heal. And I was back to riding, got all my horses kind of back in line. So I actually didn't show until the middle of August. So it was a pretty, pretty condensed uh, show season this year. I bet. I bet. Well, and it's always interesting when you, when you, when you have a health concern on how things kind of change, right? And, and how your perspective changes. So what was your perspective change? Because you, you brought three horses to the finals, right? Yes. I had three horses qualified this year. I actually had two students qualified to be there as well. Definitely, you know, that that health concern kind of definitely puts things in perspective and just reminds you that why you really love riding. And it's just literally a joy every day to be in the saddle and, and feel that harmony with our horse and be able to, to move and, and just love horses and love riding and love mm-hmm. the whole journey. I love it. I love it. So uh, circling back to, to your freestyle, if someone's interested in doing sort of a first level freestyle because you've got a nine on difficulty, what are some things at the lower levels that you would um, kind of recommend to people as they're thinking about maybe this winter when it's cold and they think, oh, I can do a freestyle. What are some things that you would recommend to people wanting to do a lower level freestyle? Absolutely. So you have your your core essentials that you have to get in your 15 meter circles in the canner 10 meter trot leg yield your change of lead through the trot and your walk so i think about 
how can I put these things in odd places and how can I put these things paired paired with other difficulty? I know in my first, in my canter transition, I do it from a big, difficult leg yield all the way across the arena. And then I go into my canter and then how quickly can you get into your other work? So I think it's, it's trying to put those core movements in difficult places and then trying to figure out how you can do difficult things before and after those movements to kind of catch the, catch the judge's attention. I love it. Fantastic. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can our listeners find you online if they're in the St. Louis area? Sure. I have a website, BZ Dressage, or find me on Facebook with Epic Equestrian. A bunch of ways to, to find me there. Thank you so love much it. for having me on. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing them as, as the mayor develops and having you back on the show. All right. Thank you. Well, Phil, I think we all love hearing 80% at any level. So it was pretty cool to hear Brianna and see her ride. She's pretty fantastic at first level freestyle. So shout out to her for sure. And we're going to have a quick break from Bates Saddlery. To celebrate the holidays, if you purchase a new Bates Saddle in November or December, you can redeem a free set of Bates Saddles competition luggage. Bates Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and the easy change fit solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a Bates saddle. Conditions do apply. Visit BatesSaddles.com to find out more. That's BatesSaddles.com. Well, Phil... I'm not going to lie. When it was raining sideways, I was really happy I had my stability stirrup leathers on from Total Saddle Fit. They really, they're fantastic stirrup leathers and it was really wet. (laughs) And again, we've established I'm not great in the wet, but the saddle, but honestly, I felt really secure because the stirrup leathers are wider and they give you a little bit more surface area. So I really felt good as I was going down the center line. We sort of wiped everything real quick before I went in. I wiped, I changed my gloves, but I didn't have to do anything with my stirrup leathers, which was pretty awesome. So I'm a huge fan of the stability stirrup leathers. I use them on follow me, rode them in the US finals and I love them. And they really do actually keep my leg quieter because he can be a little bit, especially when he's tightened it back when it's raining sideways. I was really thrilled to have those babies on there. They are so comfortable. I mean, even if, even if they didn't help your leg position, just for the just for the comfort of having fe- have the feeling of you're not there's nothing between your leg and, and the saddle there's no twisting there's no rubs that that develop I think that's uh, it's a great product as are all the products from Total Saddle Fit. Agreed, and and they have great products, and uh, it's totalsaddlefit.com, and Justin there can answer any question. He's fantastic, so we hope you touch base with him with any saddle needs. But we also have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from young professional Jamie Lewinberger. It was her first time at the U.S. Finals, and we hope you enjoy.
This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, today we have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from young professional Jamie Lewenberger. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hi. Well, we're so happy to have you on. We've been hearing about you and your mom is an auditor of the Horse Radio Network, which we love. So tell us a little bit about yourself because you're you're just transitioned into the professional ranks, right? Yeah, my mom from Milford, New Jersey, and I just turned 22 this year, so got kicked out of the young rider stuff, and it's my first year in the in the big world of professionals, and I have an event horse and a couple of dressage horses that I'm working on, and yeah, that's pretty much a little bit about me. Love it. I was just going to say to tell us a little bit about the, the horse that you brought to the, to the finals this year, because, uh, you know, kind of an interesting story. We saw an article highlighting you on the Chronicle of the Horse. So give us give us a lowdown for our show. Yeah, so the, the horse that I brought to the finals, his name is the Black Pearl, but call him Jack at home. And he is a Frisian cross, or so we think. My um, It's a funny story because my mom actually went and we had a trainer that went and looked at him at a Mennonite farm out in Western Pennsylvania. And she actually bought him on the trainer's word without actually having seen him. <laughs> and it just turned out that he's been a really safe and you know, a wonderful horse for me to learn on. And we've done really a little bit of everything, but he's not a super scopy jumper. So he has ended up being a dressage horse. Well, I love it. That sounds like, that sounds like my kind of horse. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm like, he sounds yeah, really for me. <laughs> I'm like, he sounds perfect. So tell us about your first experience in Kentucky at the U.S. Finals. I'd have to say it was a really wonderful experience. I wasn't sure entirely what I should expect going down there, but everyone was really, really nice. And of course, the Kentucky Horse Park is a beautiful venue. And I'd obviously recommend that anyone who can you know, try to go because it's a beautiful place to ride and they really do make it feel special even if you don't get to ride in the big all-tech ring. That's true. There's still jumbotrons and big, you know, it, it, it feels like a national championship for sure as you're, as you're walking around and, you're, you know, there's different parts of the horse park that you can use. It's absolutely, I would completely completely agree if you're not inside and you're still outside it still does feel like a national championship for sure so what are some other tips you would give to people on their first trip to kentucky for the u.s finals i'd say it's really important to make sure you have your travel well planned out and you know when you're going to get there and about when you're going to leave and make sure you have everything you need for your horse planned out but then other than that you know just try to have fun and treat it like you're, you know, treat another show and so that you don't get yourself nervous about it because it is national championships and it feels different and you get to ride in front of three different judges instead of just the standard one. So try not to like psych yourself out about it. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. So tell us about your horse has a, is, is a head shaker, right? So this poses some extra special challenges. Yes, he is a head shaker. So Basically, it's 
the vets basically think that it uh, is caused by an overactive trigeminal nerve, which runs down their face into their muzzle, and they get like you know a tingling sensation and similar things, and it causes them to shake their head. For my horse, it presented as kind of this weird twitch where he just flipped his nose up at like you know odd intervals and. Sometimes if it was really, really bad, he would turn his head all the way to the, to one side and you pretty much couldn't get him to straighten out. And if you did, he'd just turn all the way to the other side. And, and it was really confusing for us for a while because it only happens to him in the summer because we think his trigger is dust and pollen, which isn't so much a problem in the winter. And I finally, after a few years of struggling with you know, not being able to get him into the contact and, you know, true connection because of the head shaking. We finally tried to ride him in a nose net. And as it turns out, that solves the problem at least 95% of the way. So he hardly shakes his head. Like he might shake his head a little bit in like a stretch circle. Uh, if he kicks dust up or in like really, really bad allergy season but it's very mild compared to what it was. And he doesn't come completely off the contact when he does it anymore, but he used to be really, really disruptive. So the nose net's been a huge game changer for him. So, I mean, you've had him for quite a, quite a few years now. Is this something that he's sort of always done from the time that you bought him or did it develop a couple of years later or has it been slowly developing the entire time? It's hard to remember back to the very beginning uh, because I got him when I was only 13. <laughs> but um, he he's definitely always had it to some extent. I think the amount that I've noticed it changed over over the years because initially I was trying to kind of do the hunters with him. So I wasn't trying to really put him together or do proper flat work. So I didn't really notice at that point. And there were enough other training issues that you couldn't tell that there was just you know, something not quite right medically with him. So I probably didn't really notice it until maybe six months or so after I started eventing him um, and started really taking dressage lessons. And then, you know, I would think that I fixed the connection and I was a fantastic rider and all this stuff in the winter. And then spring would come around and suddenly I had nothing in the contact and things felt terrible again. So it was a bit of a learning process and figuring out, you know, when, when he does it, when he doesn't do it. And, and then figuring out also like, you know, how to adjust the nose net so that it works properly. Cause it actually doesn't work unless it touches the end of his nose. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Really. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And so you, can you show in a nose net? How does that work? You can now. They just changed the rule last year so that the nose nets are allowed for the dressage phase of eventing and for um, regular USCF shows. You cannot show for the FEI, but how it works for the USCF is you just have to present a letter from your vet diagnosing your horse with head shaking, and, and then they are supposed to allow you to show in it and they just give a copy of the letter to the judges and the TVs so that everybody knows that you're fine and allowed to use it. That's, that's fantastic. I think that that's really, you know, important to know um, that for sure. I mean, any other tips that you can have from someone that maybe has a head shaker? Cause it, I have had one and, and unfortunately he just got worse and worse. So we weren't able to, to actually make him better, but 
a lot of horses can get better with, with nose nets and, and different, different items now. And they're learning more and more about the syndrome. Anything else that you can uh, give any advice? Well, I know the syndrome is fairly complicated and there's mm-hmm. a lot of different causes and triggers like photosensitivity is one. Fortunately, that's not um, what Jack's issue is. We've been able to pretty much pinpoint that it's, you know, dust and pollen and if it's really windy. But I have heard, you know, it does make it better for a few minutes. Sometimes if you can like rub his nose with a towel, so you might be able to get through like one test. If you have mm-hmm. someone there to, you know, rub their nose vigorously beforehand. And the theory is it just, you know, gives them some a form of stimulation of that nerve that they know what to do with and that the brain can process properly so that maybe it keeps them from, you know, having to shake their head for a few minutes. Other than the nose net, though, there's not like a whole lot, yeah. at least not of legal stuff right, right. that you can actually show with. I know but there least, are some no, medications, but yes. again, you know, those are out for shows. Well, and I think it's great that, you know, this is a, this is a really good um, solution. It's really worked for you and your horse. And I, and I think it's fantastic. And so I, I love it because then he, you're able to show him and, and all, all the good things. So does it bother him at all in the winter? Do you wear the nose all the time or just in the summer? Yeah. So um, in the summer is when it's worst. Okay. I found that usually I don't need the nose net so much in the winter. Mm-hmm. Once we've had a good couple of hard frosts and it's consistently staying below freezing, I don't find that I need it anymore. Okay. But as soon as it starts to warm up again in the spring, even if, you know, places to our south are warming up enough where the trees and the grass start to produce pollen down there, it mm-hmm. gets picked up on the wind and moved up north. Even then, I, I need to start using the nose net again. Got it. Got it. So what's your, what's your next step with your horse? Fourth level championships. You were eighth in the freestyle. That's fantastic at your first national championship. What's next year? What's, what's next? Yeah. So this year I was doing fourth level in pre-St. George. So next year, my plan is to get in a solid season at pre-St. George and I won because we did one I won this fall that went pretty well. So hopefully next year we'll do some more. And then maybe an I one freestyle as well. I love it. Working on, on all the medals. Oh yeah. I love it. Well, congratulations on your success this year. And um, our, our listeners are, are listening. How can they find you online? You can go ahead and follow me on my Instagram, which is JL events fish. And that handle actually comes from my event horse. His name is Nemo. <laughs> so therefore he's a fish. I love it. Well, fantastic. We we will follow you and we look forward to continuing to see your success in the future. Great. Thank you for having me on the show today. Well, if anybody went to the U.S. finals, we would love to hear how it went. Feel free to send us an email or a Facebook shout out. Phil and I always get those babies and we love having them. And we look forward in the next couple of weeks, we're going to announce our new book club. Uh, We've got that coming on. We also have Radiothon for our listeners and for our auditors, um, which is a great way to to sponsor and and enjoy our programming. We have Radiothon December 2nd at 11 a.m. That's our hour. And feel free, we're going to have Pam Stone on and we're really looking forward to it. So please feel free to, to jump in. We'll also have it on our, that'll be our show for the week. So we look forward to it.
As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. Always like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is probably on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thank <laughs> you.